Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. After today, we have two weeks left of Revelation, and I'm super excited about today. Super excited, so don't don't misread what I'm about to say. But you don't want to miss next week. Next week is uh, where we, we talk about the tribulation, a lot of questions come up this, uh, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, yes-trib, and we'll talk about that next week, and it's going to be a super special service. I'm excited, so I encourage you to come back, but today is kind of the, this is my opinion, a launching point uh, where, where Stephanie just read that we've been, we've been uh, in Revelation, John's looking through a window, we're seeing windows of him seeing things happening and he's sharing them with us and we've seen a lot of craziness. We've seen a lot of craziness. We've tried to break it down. We've talked about dragons and beast and, and uh, fire and things like that and, and, and people with the mark of the beast and, and we've been going through all these things. And today is victory. All these things happening and we get this, we, we've seen it, we, we've been pointing to it, but today is the start of where we're seeing a few more things have to happen, but we're seeing that Christ is going to win, that victory is at hand. And, and, and I'm going to reread what Stephanie just said, uh, what she read, because I want you to get it. He says, after this, I heard what sounded like a vast crowd in heaven shouting, praise the Lord salvation and glory and power to belong to our God. His judgments are true and just. He has punished the great prostitute who has corrupted the earth with her immorality. He has avenged, he has avenged the murder of his servants. He has avenged them. And again, their voices rang out. <sighs> Praise the Lord. The smoke from that city ascends forever and ever. Then the 24 elders and the four living beings fell down and worshiped God who was sitting on the throne. They cried out, amen, praise the Lord, that he's picturing this, this conquering Jesus. This conquest has been going on and there's things going on and you're going to hear a few more things that, that have to happen, but that Jesus is going to win, that victory is at hand. John is painting a picture of victory, much like was painted to us last night by the Crimson Tide. <laughs> Only reason why I bring it up because I made fun of Alabama and I'm paying for it now. And most of you don't care about football, so it's okay. <laughs> but I want to talk to you for a second about, before we get to that, a few more things have to happen. John's going to write that even though victory is at hand, there's still a battle that is going on. And so I'm going to talk about just introducing, it's going to seem kind of abrupt, this whole concept of 
seduction. We're being seduced. We're being seduced. The word seduce means uh, to attract to a belief or an action that is inadvisable. The word seduce means to attract to a belief or an action that is inadvisable, that, that we're being seduced. That John is painting this picture, and you're going to see the scripture, that this is in chapter 19. But before that, he's, he's, he's showing us in 19 of, of the victorious Jesus, avenging the saints, people worshiping God, praise God, the, the battle's been won, and, and we're about to celebrate. But then, right before that, in chapter 17, he gives us this, this concept of, of that we're being seduced. He said, so the angel took me in the spirit, into the wilderness. Now, the, again, John's looking in there, and, and he's looking through this window. It takes him to this wilderness, and he says, I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and ten horns. And, and, and again, we don't think this is an actual woman sitting on the beast. This is imagery. John's using imagery because the church at this time, was, it was hard for them to see victory. They were being persecuted, and, and, and bad things are happening. So he writes Revelation to them for us. The same thing is true. He's trying to use imagery to stir up emotion in us. And he says there's this woman sitting on them, and, and she blasphemes God. The blasphemies of God were written all over it. The woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a gold goblet full of obscenities and the impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead, Babylon the Great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. I could see that she was drunk, drunk with the blood of God's holy people who were witnesses for Jesus, and I stared at her in complete amazement. And so John is talking about the fact that in the midst of victory that's about to happen, and the fact that we've accepted Christ, if you accepted Christ, you're going to win, that you're, you and I and these churches then were being seduced, being seduced. And the seduction is to turn away, to give in, to quit, to stop. And he paints a picture of this woman sitting on the beast and her name is Babylon. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, if you know anything about the Old Testament, uh, Babylon was a city. As a matter of fact, it was the city that wanted to be God. They wanted to build this tower up into the sky. It said, then we'll be God. We'll be like God. And the truth is, that is the seduction for all of us. Hear me on this. That if you read the scriptures, that at the very beginning, Eve was seducted. She saw the apple. She was seducted. Esau gave away his birthright because he was seducted by food. David was seducted by Bathsheba. Judas was seducted to betray Jesus by 30 pieces of silver. That you and I, if we're honest, that there's a seduction going on all along. The seduction of, it's not worth it. Just quit. Or, or maybe you don't quit, but, but, but get off the gas a little bit. You, you need to take it easy. You need to rest. And so the seduction is of comfort. The seduction is of, of just slow it down. Take it, don't take your faith so serious. You don't, you don't need to, no, you don't need to do that. This, this whole thing, it just keeps going on and on and on. Calling out to us. And he uses the word Prostitute. And she's calling out to us, I have what you need. I will make you happy. Indulge. Follow me. 
Well, that's kind of a heavy way to start. And Revelation has reoccurring themes. And so victory is at hand, but you and I are constantly being pulled away, pulled away, pulled away, pulled away. Just, just a little bit here. Just a, just a little bit. And before you know it, you're nowhere where you want to be. Nowhere where you need to be in your faith. And so we must fight. We must fight. Now, uh, my boys both went to Social Circle, and you've heard me talk about them wrestling, and I, this is not about them. This is about the program Social Circle, and uh, they, they were there in the, in the heyday, which I think the heyday is coming back. If you, know, if you don't care about wrestling, just ignore this part, but um, Social Circle is a small school, 500 people, 500 students. Phenomenal wrestling. Like, we would go into high schools like Grayson, and wrestle Grayson. If we played Grayson, if Social Circle played Grayson in football, it'd be 100 to nothing. I'm serious. And, and look, and, and that would be a gracious score. But we would go into Grayson, and look, we would, we would manhandle them. It'd be unbelievable. It was like when Social Circle came into the Grayson gym, the people from Grayson went, Social Circle's here. We went into Buford. Went to Buford. Buford, you ever been to Buford? You ever been to Buford High School? It's like, it's like, it's like a college, right, right? Multiple fields. Artificial, artificial turf, multiple fields. I mean, just you think you're on a college campus. They got their own coliseum. I'm serious. Got a, we went to the tournament in Buford. Forty teams from the southeast. Social Circle won it. <sighs> Proud dad. My kids didn't even start for the first two years. They were in and out of the lineup. That's how good it was. But what people didn't see was what it took to be good. My kids would come home from practice and just talk about the fight. They'd come, on, they'd come home from practice. If you know anything about wrestling, this is the first thing they do when you walk into the wrestling room. You know what it is? They turn on the heat. 90 degrees. I couldn't even sit in and I, you were allowed to go into some of this, but I sit in there and it smelled and the people were sweating. I'm like, I hey, get out of here. It's too hot for me. Y'all hang in there, hang in there. I'm going to go out and get something to drink. All right, I'll be back. Come home, eyes blacked. I'm serious. Eyes blacked, busted up. Because wrestling is one step away from a fist fight. John's writing to the church. He's saying, hey, you and I, we must fight the victory is at hand. It is. It's at hand. But you and I, it's not over. We have to train. We have to fight. And he's calling out to us. And look at the scripture here. And it's, he's calling to the, the, the church has to fight. He says, and I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority. And the earth grew bright with his splendor. And he gave a mighty shout. And he says, Babylon is falling. This, there's going to come a day when all the things that are trying to seduce us, they're going to be gone. He says, Babylon has fallen. Christ is going to win. That great city has fallen. She has become a home for demons. That the thing that's trying to pull us away is really demonic forces wanting to keep you and I from being who we're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. Or yet, if, if it even possible for us to denounce our faith. For keep, to keep people from coming to the faith, becoming a place of demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture, every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her. 
James writes, friendship with the world is adultery towards God. Do you, you hear me on this? This is what he's talking about. Revelation is not something new. It's a repackaging of the old. That friendship with the world. That you and I can't be friends with the world. We can't fall away. We can't be seducted out and still think. A lot of times people think, I've said a prayer 25 years ago. Nothing's changed in my life, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. And I'm not here to judge anybody. That's not my job. I'm here to tell you the truth, that there's this seduction going on. And you and I, we've got to fight that. We've got to fight it. We've got to fight it that, that Christ has called us to give our all, to give our very lives if, if, if it comes down to it. And then he says, because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven. Listen to these words. Come away from her. And when I hear that phrase, this is the picture I get. You ever been to the beach? Anybody, anybody not ever been to the beach? Just make sure we're all on the same playing field here. You're looking out. And it's beautiful, isn't it? The waves are crashing. Sun's out. You're having a great time. It's awesome. Kids playing. But in the water, there's an undercurrent. You can't see it. You can't see it. But if you've ever been in it, if you've ever experienced it, there's a pull pulling you away, pulling you away. Sometimes so strong, listen, that people actually die. Pulling you away, pulling you away. This is what's going on that we talk about the seduction going on. It looks so good. Our world seems so good. Everybody seems so nice. There's this pull pulling you and I away. Pull, 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 pulling it. Before you know it, you have no idea where you're at. You have no idea what's going on in your life. We used to tell our kids that we would kind of mark, here's a place, here's a place. Look out to us because we knew that the tide was going to drift them away. Watching them, come back, come back. We'd yell, too far, you're too far. You ever do that? Too far, come on in. They're like, whatever, old man, come on in. John said, hey, come away from her, my people. Listen to this part. Don't take part in her sins. Or you will be punished with her. Her sins are piled as high as heaven. And God remembers her evil deeds. That even though the victory has been won, there's still a fight. That we wake up every day and I'm going to give you some signs, some things that you can measure your life with where you're at. But make no mistake, seduction leads to destruction. Seduction leads to destruction. It seems harmless. It's no big deal. I compromise. I sin. I get lazy. Stop coming to church. Quit reading my Bible. It just seems, it's, it's very, very subtle. Look, it's very subtle, just the easing out into the water. And before you know it, you've been swept away. And John writes, Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a huge millstone. And he threw it into the ocean and shouted, 
just like this, the great city Babylon will be thrown down with violence and she will never be found again. That her fate, the fate of anyone or anything opposing Jesus Christ is assured. That Christ is going to win. The sound of harps, singers, flutes, trumpets will never be heard in you again. No craftsmen and no trades will ever be found in you again. The sound of the mill will never be heard in you again. The light of the lamp will never shine in you again. He's talking, he's painting this picture that it's going down, that, that, that Babylon, this seduction, this, uh, this force that's opposing the kingdom of God is going to be defeated. The happy voices of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again, for your merchants were the greatest in the world, and you deceived and this, this, again, this reoccurring theme, this word deceived over and over again. You've been deceived. You deceived the nations with your sorceries. And your streets flowed the blood of the prophets and of God's holy people and the blood of people slaughtered all over the world. And so, make no mistake here. That if you're part of this, you're not, you're not going to escape. You're not going to win. And so let's go on to some, some signs. Some signs for you and I. And they're not exhaustive. How do you know if you're part of Babylon? How do you know if you're part of the kingdom of God? Let me give you four things here. The first one is this, peace. You know that you have Christ in your life when you have peace. That in the midst of everything that's going on in our world, that Christians, Christ followers, we ought to be the most peaceful people in the world. And, and listen, we saw examples of this with, with uh, uh, what's happened uh, with, with, with COVID of just Christians in panic and everything like that. We, we were in some ways no different than any other part of the world or any other community. Just this panic. But Christ followers are marked with peace. Look at the scripture here. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Jesus is saying, Jesus is telling us, look, I give you peace. That if you've got me, you've got peace. That your whole world could be crashing and, and that'll be something that you feel in your flesh. But in your spirit, you have peace because you have Jesus Christ. The second one is this. Radical generosity. Now, I love the angel tree time. I, you know why I love it? Because there's no tax write-offs. Every now and then, someone says, let me just write a check to church. No. No, you're not getting a tax write-off. It's not about you or the tax write-off. It's about you being generous. It's about me being generous. It's about us helping people out of the generosity of our hearts. That you and I would be marked by generosity. And the older I get the more moved I am by generosity. And this is not about uh, you giving to the church. Hear me on this. That's part of it, but it's not about it today. It's just simply about that one of the signs of a Christ follower is that we're generous. And sometimes generosity and responsibility, man, they collide. I was eating breakfast this week with uh, Pastor Chad Caldwell from Journey Church. He and I eat once a month, sometimes twice a month for breakfast. Anyway, he was buying my breakfast, which is super, super generous. Whenever you buy my breakfast, it's super generous. And the 
waitress bought the bill, handed it to him, and he, he jokingly said, hey, you didn't, you didn't put your tip in there. You didn't go ahead and fill your tip in. And she laughed, and he said, how much do you think you're worth for your service today? And she jokingly said, $30. He wrote down and gave her a $30 tip. Now, he probably wouldn't want me to share in that story because it's not about him. But listen, that's radical generosity. I know you're going, Gary, the whole point's not to everybody give out $30 tips. That's not the point. The point is being generous. That you and I are to be generous. That ought to, that ought to be the... Man, people ought to say, you know, what, you know what they ought to say about us? And look, I can get on this. But you know what people ought to say? I don't believe like that guy, but that is one of the most generous persons I've ever met in my life. That is one of the biggest givers I've ever seen. Just, man, super generous person that just overflows with generosity. Just giving all the time. And I know, look, I know, like I said, responsibility and generosity, they collide sometimes. I get it. I do. I get it. But too many times, we have no generosity in our life. Look at the Scripture. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now, here's what's going on. They're being persecuted. The church in Jerusalem is being persecuted. As a matter of fact, if you read the scriptures and you read about any church in the Bible, they're almost all being persecuted for their faith. They are being tested by many troubles. That was persecuted, persecution. And they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed into rich generosity. Not to riches for them, rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave, the churches of Macedonia gave, not only what they could afford, but more. And they did it of their own free will. Here's the thing about generosity. I'm just going to share that. I'm not wanting to beat anything out of you. That's not generous. If you've got to beat it out of somebody, that's not generosity. Everybody with me on this? That's reluctant giving. And there's something to be said for that. But generosity is, man, where you can't wait to give. Scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. And they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of believers for the believers in Jerusalem. The third one, reject sexual perversion. This is all, you're like, where, where are these coming from? I'm going to get to in just a second. Reject sexual perversion. There's never been a time in history where it's been easier for a person to fall into sexual sin. Never been a time. That it's in our face, it's on our phones, we carry it with us that you can't hardly run from it. Our culture is, is, is in a such a way. I think about the culture of Rome where, where it, was, it was not a Christian culture and it was a very perverted culture. But even then, you had to go somewhere for it to happen. You don't have to go anywhere for it to happen now. And I'm going to use some words. Pornography. You're talking about adultery. And you and I have to reject this. We have to reject this, this call, this, this, this uh, indulging into sexual immorality, even to the point of where we no longer believe what the Scriptures say about it. 
And Paul writes, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And that you and I, this ought to be a mark of, this ought to be a sign, this ought to be a measure of our Christ following. Is that we don't want to do this more and we are putting measures that I'm not going to be part of this. That the cold culture may say, hey, everything goes, anything's good sexuality wise. But no, we're going to run from it. And the fourth one is this. Radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. I'm always amazed that people have the gift of hospitality. And, and, and I'm okay with it. And my wife's good with it. I'm okay. But I'm always amazed. There are some people, you ever meet people, man, they have the gift of hospitality. Unbelievable. You go to their house like, man, that was great. They, they, they really wanted me there. You know what I'm saying? I remember when I first uh, got into youth ministry, I was working at Covenant Christian. I was working part-time. And I didn't have anywhere to stay on the weekends. And a family in the church, it was actually Chris Queen, who used to work on staff. It was his family. They said, hey, you can stay at our house on the weekends. And it was a huge help to me. That way I didn't have to drive back and forth when we had activities and stuff like that. And I went over to their house. And the first, this is the first time I went over to the house. This is what happened. I went over to the house. We're watching the Falcons game. Watching the Falcons lose. Anyway, but anyway, so. <laughs> Even all the way back then. All the way back then, that's what was going on. I'm sitting on their couch, and they walk over, and they hand me a pillow. I said, why don't you take a nap? I was a college student. You don't have to tell me to take a nap. <laughs> I could take a nap anywhere. You know, I don't know if you remember, you know, college, like I had to get up early. That's something college students hate doing. First time I'm at their house, Leslie and I start dating. We start dating. I've got a place here in Covington. I, I got hired on full-time for a couple years at Covenant Christian, we're, we're dating. Guess where Leslie stays? She stays at the Queen's house. I know you're thinking she stayed with you. No, she did not. I'm talking rejecting this. She stayed at the Queen's house. Opened up their house to let her. Hey, Leslie can stay at our house. What if you and I, that was the measure of our life? That, man, we were just hospitable. People we agreed with, people we disagreed with, people who were, and I'm just going to throw out some names, who were Republicans or who were Democrats, who were conservative or who were liberal, people who thought the same way we did about football, and those who did not. What if we had this hospitality? Look at the scripture right here. For the next two years, Paul lived at Rome lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him by boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Now, what you can miss in that scripture is this, is Paul welcomed everybody because people were coming into Rome to debate with him. They were coming into Rome to argue with him. And, P and Paul welcomed everybody, everybody, anybody who came, anybody who showed up, he welcomed. He wasn't offended that they disagreed. He was wanting to tell them about Jesus Christ. He took it as an opportunity, just radical hospitality. Why choose these four? Because they are the exact opposite of what Babylon's offering. Babylon's calling for comfort, 
for self-indulgent. You take care of you. Chaos. And Christ followers are marked by peace, radical generosity, sexual, rejecting sexual perversion, and radical hospitality. So let me wrap it up with this. Are those marks your marks? Are those measures found in your life? Let's just be honest here. Do you have peace in your life? When things go south, are you willing to say, man, I'm trusting the Lord. I've got a peace about this. I don't like what's going on. My flesh may be screaming, but my spirit, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm looking to Him. I'm praying. Radical generosity. When people honestly say that you're generous, radically generous, that man, you can't wait to give stuff away. Can't wait. I'm not talking about junk either. I'm talking about first class generosity. This is a mark of your life. Rejecting sexual perversion, honoring what the scriptures say about sexual purity. I mean, you reject it. I'm, I'm not giving into this. I'm not. And if you've got an issue, look, we want to help you. We've got a great recovery ministry, Celebrate Recovery, which helps people with hurts, habits, and hangups. But let's be honest. Let's be honest here. There's this whole concept of, of sexual indulgence. It's on all of us. It's in front of all of us. It's, it's, you can't get away from it. And so if you've got an issue with this, man, we would love to help you. We'd love to come alongside you. You will find some of the most grace-filled people to help you in this journey. Radical hospitality. Is this, is this a mark of you? Or, or have we given in? And listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking this. Have we get it in? That we got gates in the front and privacy fences and nobody's getting in. Nobody's getting in. I'm shutting the doors. Shutting the doors of the world. I'm just, gonna, just me and my family and we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to survive. Years ago, my son Mitchell, he told this story of being at wrestling. And it was a very terrible practice. He, he thought about quitting in the middle of the practice, how tough it was. They just kept running and running and running and running. And I don't know if it was what it was for, but there was a kid there. He told the coach, he said, I quit. And the coach said, don't quit. Don't quit. You don't want to quit. The kid said, no, I can't take it anymore. I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And the kid was good. The coach said, hey, don't, you don't want to quit. Don't quit. And the kid said, I quit. That's it. I quit. And the coach looked at him and said, well, if you're going to quit, you're going to have to take off your shorts because you've got the name Social Circle on them. And Social Circle, we don't quit. And the, the coach was just trying to do anything to keep the kid from quitting. The kid stripped down to his underwear and walked out the door. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. You and I have the name Jesus Christ on us. And so he's calling out to you, calling out to you. And, and, and look, it gets hard. Look, if you want to follow Christ, it's not an easy journey. 
You try forgiving somebody you don't want to. You try loving someone that's hard to love. You try to do the right thing. You try to reject sexual perversion. You try to do those things. Look, it's, it is difficult. We've got the Holy Spirit and we've got the power of God, but it is a partnership and it is difficult. But he wants to strip you down to your underwear and make you walk out. Leaving behind the name of Jesus Christ. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen, here's why. Because we win. We win. We win in the end. He's going to win. Hang in there. Listen, a new day's coming. You may be in a season that's tough, but listen to me. God's going to win. He's going to help you. Whatever's going on in your life. The church is here for you. We're, we're stronger together. We win. Don't give up. Don't give in. I'm praying that you don't. Father, we come to you. Lord, a lot of these messages have seemed so hard and in our face. challenging us and where we're at. Lord, my prayer today is that we won't quit. That we won't stop. That we won't be sidetracked. That when the times get tough, We don't think we can keep going, but we'll hear your voice saying, come, come on, come on. Keep going. I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. It's all going to be worth it. Lord, I pray that we'll take many people with us. I pray that people are inspired by the way we live. Just having peace generosity, hospitality. Lord, that we, we, we hold up the value of the Scriptures when it comes to sexual purity. That it is so radical the way we live that people are compelled to ask us, compelled to see Christ in us. Lord, be with us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, don't forget, come back next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.